views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our good news segment. I just want to thank all of you for tuning in, turning us on. Dr. Edward Schaefer is joining me here today. We're talking about something very, very important. We're talking about November, and November is Men's Health Awareness Month. You know, many of you hear us talk about women's health awareness. You hear us talk about many things, but there are issues for you guys out there as well. That's why we're bringing Dr. Ed Schaefer uh, to, the, to the forefront here. You know, an expert to discuss the signs and treatment options, men's health awareness, and much more. Dr. Schaefer, welcome, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Dr. Pat. I really appreciate being here. Now, I just did a short introduction of, of you, the body of work you do, you know, the the amount of research and energy and years of dedication to this topic and much more. I mean, it's a snippet of a, of a, a career and a body of work that you're passionate about. Let's start with the question. Signs and symptoms of prostate cancer, yes. But for you, what is it about being a spokesperson for this initiative? What is it about you that is so absolutely committed to getting the word out here? Well, it's a great question. Thank you for asking. So my interest is very personal. My grandfather died of prostate cancer, Mm -hmm. and I watched him really suffer through the last five years of his life with a really brutal death. And so that had a big impact on me when I was growing up. And when I decided to go into a career of medicine, I knew that I wanted to work in this area in prostate cancer to research the disease and to treat the disease and help men out uh, help men out there. And so that's my personal drive and my personal motivation to be involved in this work. And I think that the key messages for men out there are a couple things. First, they should be not afraid and not shy to go to their doctor. Women do a great job of seeing their gynecologists uh, and internists annually. Men do not. Men are bad at this. So men should get a doctor, an internist, and then they should start seeing them. And the key thing in medicine, as you know, is if you pick up something early, it's often treatable and fixable. If you let things go too long, then that's where we really have a problem. So if you're active and proactive about your health, then um, then you can really address many issues before they get out of control. Now, prostate cancer is a cancer that's very common. It is very common in men as they get older. And so men in general should start discussing screening for prostate cancer with their internist starting around the age of 50. And the way that we screen for prostate cancer is with a blood test so we can pick up the cancer very early. 
and also a rectal exam because sometimes the test, the blood test is normal and there's something funny on exam. Mm-hmm. So for individuals who have, um, who have an abnormal blood test or something funny on their exam, they would then be referred to a urologist. Now, who should begin testing for prostate cancer right. at an even earlier age? Right. Well, those are individuals right. who have a family history of prostate cancer, first-degree relative like father, brother, uncle, and men of African ancestry. Those two groups of men, they have a much higher chance of getting cancer at earlier ages and cancer that's more aggressive. So those guys should talk to their doctors starting at around age 40. You know, let's talk about this for a minute because I I, I don't want to, you know, uh, sort of shy away from some of the conversations about, you know, the misconceptions, but also uh, the socioeconomic impact of this. You, you know, there are disparities that you just mentioned for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but there's got to be a message that we can get to say, look, this is what the statistics show. Uh, please go to your doctor. Please ask for the test. So what we hear from our listeners is, man, you know, I need the right questions to ask my doctor about this because they tell me I'm too young. I think there's a level of awareness. We just got to kind of raise the bar on here. Yeah, so what patients can do is they can go to their doctor and they could say, listen, I'm concerned about my health. I want to live a long time. And um, as part of that, I want to be checked for prostate cancer. Does that make sense for me? And a doctor will then take an input two things. One, they'll say, okay, what's, what's this guy's age? And how long do we think this person's going to live? Because prostate cancer is um, a significant limiter of a man's life expectancy, but it doesn't hurt somebody in the first two to five years we diagnose it. So a a good doctor will say, okay, you know, Bob here is healthy. I mean, I think he's going to live another 20 years. Checking for prostate cancer absolutely makes sense. Conversely, they may say, well, Jim over there is morbidly obese. He's had three heart attacks and he has diabetes. And you know what? Right now, Prostate cancer, you know, screening for prostate cancer is not going to be important or necessary for that man. There's other more imminent concerns in his health than just checking for prostate cancer. So it's important for patients to bring it up to their doctors because it can trigger lots of really good discussions about their longevity. And that's what we're talking about here. How can men live longer, healthier lives? And so part of that is, you know, you do that as a component of your in discussion when you talk about screening for prostate cancer. Yeah. I, I love that you're taking the message out there. Look, at you're, you're out there. You're also talking to patients. You're also talking to people. What is the most That's important right. thing that is really on their minds? You know what I'm trying to say? It's kind of like, yeah, there are statistics. You know, I'm a researcher. You're a researcher. But the, when, mm-hmm. when the bottom line comes, we're talking about people. Are you finding that they even know the questions to ask? Because I'm hoping these interviews are going to help people say, wait a minute, I heard this interview. And you know what? I just, I'm just telling you, Dr. Schaefer told me to ask this question. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that a lot of patients, number one, there's a lot of resources that you can get on, on the internet, which is a really good thing, including Northwestern Medicine's webpage. Lots of great resources. And then patients will come and, and they'll talk to me and they'll say, Doc, you know, I'm 62 years old and I want to live forever. Now we know they can't live forever. But that is a trigger for a discussion about, you know, what should they do to tune themselves up? And 
for many guys, part of that tune-up is to check for prostate cancer. For some of those guys, it's to get their blood pressure under better control, to get their blood sugar under better control. And so I think if patients are interested in, and you know, people are always afraid to go to their doctor because they think that the doctor's going to find something wrong. Yeah. Well, that's not what doctors want to do. Doctors want to find things before they go wrong. And so, you know, if you're proactive about going to your doctor and you're proactive about your health, then, you know, prostate cancer and heart disease, these things are not going to be a problem for you. They can be prevented. Um, and so that's the uh, a main theme is if patients are really interested in, you know, living a longer, healthier life, and mm-hmm. if you have that open discussion with your doctor, then that will include checking for prostate cancer, but it also includes checking your cholesterol and checking, checking your, your, your blood glucose for diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, the the message and the message, especially in the escalation of the message this month is also important. I want to talk about technology for a minute. Um, You know, I'm looking at, you know, the technology we're building and in the industry that we're in. And we've decided to build something that doesn't exist. Um, And I don't think Mm -hmm. we stay on top of technology enough to know what is now available and what can be available for detection. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's why you want to, you know, your listeners out there want to focus in on and go to a real center of excellence yeah. um, because there are standard ways to check for prostate cancer. The blood test and the PSA is the one that we use as well as a rectal exam. And then there's more advanced technologies. There's newer, better blood tests. There's one called the 4K score and there's one called the PHI test. And these are even more accurate than the PSA blood test. Then we have better imaging, so we can image the prostate with a special MRI, and those really help us get a full, highly detailed roadmap of the prostate and looking for things that are wrong. So we have good established techniques that we know have a good track record, and then we're building off of those with newer, better blood tests, newer, better imaging, and then the treatments for prostate cancer that we use now are way different than they were even 10 years ago. So... Radiation is delivered in an incredibly, you know, direct and focused way. Surgery is done in almost entirely with robotics. So we really can help our patients with advanced technology. I love it. How can people find out more? Thank you so much for being out there because I think, you know, we are talking about some things that people just may not be aware of. And the only way to do that is to keep spreading the word, I think. How can people find out more? What's the best place for folks to go? Yeah, I think a great resource is Northwestern Medicine's webpage, which is nm.org. There you can learn about just everything from heart health to prostate health, et cetera. And your listeners today can go to a special webpage we made for your listeners, which is nm.org slash radio. And that will direct you to all the important resources you need. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Schaefer. One last thing, if you don't mind, personal message. What would you like to leave us with today? Well, take control of your health. Talk to your doctor about whether or not screening for prostate cancer makes sense for you. Awesome. We're going to take a short break, everyone. A lot of things going on here, a lot of options for you. Dr. Schaefer, thank you for all that you're doing. Thanks, Dr. Pat. Have a great day. All right, let's rock on. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Take us with you on that morning commute. Download your favorite podcast from the Transformation Radio Network. 
just visit transformationradio.fm. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to our good news segment. I'm so thrilled to have Dr. J.D. Crouch joining us here today, elected by the USO Board of Governors to be the 23rd President and Chief Executive Officer of the United Service Organization, most endearingly known as the USO. Today, we're going to take you on a journey, and the journey is all about this. You've heard me talk about it before. You've heard me share my concern. You've heard me have our Washington State head of our veterans organization on the show, some of our Congress people. Today, though, this is the most important message, Veterans Day message from USO. USO support does not end when you leave the military, and I am so grateful of that. Um, Dr. Crouch joining us here today is going to take us on a journey about what the Pathfinders, I love this, Pathfinders military program is about and how does it help our service members and their family. Dr. Crouch, great to have you here. Great to have you on the show. Tell us about this, this program and also the importance of not having support end when your service ends. Sure. Well, you know, the mission of the USO is to strengthen uh, our service members and their families by keeping them connected to family, home, and country. And we do that across, you know, from the day they come in and swear the oath, deploy overseas, deploy into combat zones, we're there with them. Uh, we're there today in Afghanistan. We're there today in Iraq. But that last journey, that last thing that they do is is to come back into civilian life. And uh, these are very capable people. They're going to give back greatly to our communities, but they've been uh, sheltered from a lot of things. You know, they they don't they don't have to build a resume. They don't have to do a job interview. They they their housing's taken care of. Their health care is taken care of. There are lots of questions. So when they come back, they face a uh, a new challenge, and that challenge is how do they successfully navigate the civilian world. And the USO Pathfinder program is uh, is an answer to that. Um, we employ uh, individuals, scouts, and volunteers who help us with a one-on-one -on -one service uh, to service members and their families to help them uh, build a transition plan and then execute that plan. Well, I, I mean, what we're talking about should be no surprise to people. But I must say, and I think you know this, it is a surprise to people. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, in... In, in celebration of all that have served, I mean, you know, looking at family members that I certainly have as well, um, coming back and, and having this almost immediate showing up in our society, our culture, our pop culture. Um, I, you know, I wish I could say there was a grace and transition period, but there's also personalized assistance that you provide. Could you tell us about that? Sure. Well, you know, you, you mentioned a really important point about, you know, people are separated in the military. That's their central challenge. It's not that, you know, these, these are, these young men and women volunteered in many cases knowing that they would go to war. But, but they've been separated from family. They've been separated by wearing different clothes. They've been separated by being governed by different laws. Uh, most of the military doesn't think that the, 
U.S. population, they 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 like them, but they don't think they really understand what they've been through. You know, so so it's important. These programs, uh, the program that we we run through Pathfinder. Uh, allows them to sit down with uh, usually somebody who's been in the military or a military spouse who's trained to help build an action plan for them. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about employment, you know, it, it's about health care. It's about uh, housing. It's about uh, uh, getting access to your veterans benefits or, or your educational needs. And that program is built around where the service member and their spouse want to go. Where do they want to live? What kind of jobs are they interested in? Uh, what kind of career are they interested in? And what are their needs? Uh, th- and then we take that action plan and we connect it, connect them to all the services in their community. We have over 8,000 partnerships around the country with service providers of various kinds in all of those areas. And and those p- partners then help them. And we make sure that you know they're getting quality service. Uh, and and that they're getting to um, uh, you know get, getting to the things that they really need. Another important part of this I just want to highlight is the mm-hmm. fact that you know today over forty percent of active duty people are married. Yes, and that's very different than it was from the mm-hmm. Vietnam generation. Mm-hmm. And and so often it's those spouses who get the first job, or it's those spouses who, quite frankly, are the ones pushing their service member in our door. You know, saying, "All right." Get in there, buddy, because <laughs> we need to worry about housing. We need to worry about our next paycheck and those sorts of things. So we really are we've we've made this open to spouses because we really think they're a, a really key to creating a successful program that helps not just the individual service member but the entire family. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you about a couple of things here before I forget. But first of all, let's mm-hmm. make sure people know how they can find out more about this, how they can find out more about what the programs are. Let's start there. Okay. Well, if you're a service member, go into any USL. Uh, There are 207 or something like that around the world and say, I want to learn more about Pathfinder um, and and the USO's transition programs. Or right now you can go to www.uso.org and find, uh, look for Pathfinder on there. It's in our program section, and and you're going to learn all about the program, and you can get connected uh, uh, to a scout that way. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of different ways to do it, and and one of the neat things about the service we're offering is, yeah, there's one-on-one engagement with the scout if you want it, but there are other powerful tools that we have, even if you're not located where one of our scouts is, where you know, for example, we have a great uh, partnership with the Chamber of Commerce where we're building a uh, we built a resume engine, uh, which allows them to build their resume and translate their military experience into something that, uh, you know, is a, a good civilian resume. Uh, we, we also have partnerships with other uh, online um, uh, capabilities so that they can begin to explore what their options are before they talk to a scout. But I definitely recommend each every service member take advantage of that one-on-one relationship with a scout in the community you want to live in that, um, that's going to be really really very powerful 
I want to talk with you about this, um, um, and I, I would be really be remiss if I don't uh, at least have a conversation about the challenges. Um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of course, we have businesses that donate millions and millions of dollars to this, and and I think that's importantly uh, important. I think Boeing recently donated uh, um, a significant amount of, of dollars, right? Um, the thing yes. that I'm, yeah, yeah the absolutely. thing that I'm struck by, and I would like you to talk about that, because there are ways for us to engage our businesses, our local businesses, and say, okay, um, uh, let's talk about you don- donating. But here's the question: If you come back, and this is at least my experience in speaking with, you know, our those that serve. It may be simple things that a family is not aware of that is important. For, simple example, you know, maybe your spouse comes home and they want to wear their khakis. They don't want to put on the new blue jeans you found for them. <laughs> They're just these transitions right. that we don't know about. And, and isn't this a forum for us to really talk about them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that's developed out of our, our program that's kind of kind of cool, and, and, and this generation of, of young people that come back, mm-hmm. not only are they looking for jobs and, and that sort of thing, they're yeah. actually looking for ways to be part of a community and, and to give back to their community. Yeah. Uh, remember, these are people who signed up for wars. They've done something bigger than themselves. And so when they come back, you know, part of the challenge they have is that job at, you know, company X, I don't want to mention anybody, but, you know, it's maybe not all quite that exciting. One of the ways they, they can help sustain, you know, what they're interested in is by getting involved in helping others in their community. You see this with some of the uh, charities that develop like Team Rubicon and places like that where they're out, you know, those guys are all out helping the hurricane relief, you know. Uh, so, most of those people are active duty, uh, are people who were active duty who are now out. So it, it, there's, and we do that as well. So one of our areas in, 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 in that we look at in our action plan development is how do you want to give back to your community? What are the powerful ways in your community that you can, you can be helpful? And it's very attractive, uh, to folks. So I, um, I completely agree. I mean, it's, um, it's, there are challenges that most of the civilians don't really understand. They don't, they don't get it because they've never been in the military and they don't know, uh, you know, the kinds of things that these young men and women have faced and what they face coming home. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, let's just say that one of the most significant things that you all do is you create a safe space for dialogue. And people don't realize that that just that very thing right there to be around people that get you is seriously important because you're coming back and there are people, your families, your friends, they don't get your experience. And that could feel kind of lonely, don't you think? Absolutely. And and loneliness and isolation are two of the biggest challenges that uh, service members come back from. And, yep. you know, they face this, quite frankly, even with their spouses. Yes. Because the spouses can't completely understand right. uh, what, what what they've been through. Um, so, no, it's uh, absolutely, um, uh, absolutely the case. And one of the neat things about our Pathfinder program is a, a lot of the a lot of the folks who have benefited from it have now come back and they're working in that same program as volunteers to help 
uh, support others who are transitioning. It's their way of helping their brothers and sisters um, uh, make that successful transition. Well, uh, you know, there's so many things that we can t t talk about. And first of all, let me thank you, uh, Dr. Crouch, for your um, your taking this message out there and explaining to people what the USO does, what it does for active service members, but it doesn't stop there. Again, could you please tell people the best way to find out more about this? And then I want to ask you your personal message. What would you like to leave us with today? Okay. Well, again, uh, the uh, easiest thing to do is go to uso.org, and you can look in our program section and look for USO Pathfinder, uh, and that's the way you can connect. Uh, you can also, if you're active duty, uh, walk into any USO anywhere in the world and ask them about the Pathfinder program, and they'll they'll get you connected up. Um, my, my personal message is is really to every American. To, I, I know people out there are, are very thankful for the service that that uh, our, our service members give to the country. But I want them to know that the 200,000 that get out every year, you know, these are people who have an enormous uh, uh, benefit to our society. They are going to give for the rest of their lives. And I think there's sometimes a misnomer that they come back somehow damaged or broken. Right. That's not the truth. Right. The truth is that these are some of the most qualified, capable young people you could possibly imagine. You want them in your companies, you want them in your organizations, and you want them in your communities because they know how to work as a team, they have discipline, they believe in the mission. And they're just great young people. I've seen them all over the world. I've had the privilege of doing it. So that's my message is, you know, go up to them, ask them. Don't just thank them for their service. Ask them about what they did. Have them explain to you what they've, what they've seen and what they know. Uh, and, and welcome them back into their communities. I love it. Thank you so much for all that you do. And I want to give great thanks for all that serve. You know, keep our country safe. And we're here to support everyone. Thank you, Dr. Crouch. Thank you. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Are you traveling most of your day? Do you want to take Transformation Talk Radio with you anywhere you go? Well, guess what? There's an app for that. Just go to the App Store on your Apple device or the Google Play Store on your Android and search Transformation Talk Radio. Catch all of our live shows no matter where you are. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. And this is good news. CVS Health engages consumers in fourth annual in-store fundraising campaign. Why? To support Stand Up to Cancer groundbreaking research and beyond. Funds will be, um, and this is what I want to say. You've heard me talk about this before. You've also heard me talk about the people in the past year that I've lost to cancer. These funds raised will help accelerate innovative cancer research. Rusty Robertson is joining us here today, as well as Karen Taphorn. Uh, Rusty, Karen, I want to start out with you, Rusty. Rusty, if we could take a minute, I would like to talk about your engagement, your commitment, and your passion to stand up to cancer. 
Well, um, about 10 years ago, a group of women, nine of us here in Los Angeles, got together and were questioning why we had not moved the needle enough. All of us, Sherry Lansing, Laura Ziskin, Katie Kirk, we had all been involved uh, in other philanthropies and, and, and in getting and, and, and against cancer. But we realized and found out from a group of unbelievable scientists, really, really well-known uh, researchers, that said doctors and scientists do not share data in real, real time, not even from one floor to another in a hospital. And we said, what can we do mm-hmm. if we use our bully pulpit to get the word out? How can we do this? And we came up with these scientists, the dream team model to fight cancer. And now today, 10 years later, almost 10, not quite. We have 1,200, more than 1,200 of the best cancer researchers in 140 institutions and over 20 dream teams across all cancers and technology. And if you don't mind me saying it, we're kicking cancer's butt. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought this up because any many of us have experienced this firsthand. And Karen, you have. Um, and what I mean by that is you're absolutely right. Not not only not talking about, you know, to the people on the floor upstairs, but how about even talking about the, the, the doctor that's in the office next door? Karen, for you, you are an ambassador. You know, what does this effort mean to you? And what does the support mean of Rusty and this team of people? Oh, Dr. Pat, this, this means so much to me. It, it means my life. Stand up to cancer in this trial saved my life. I was diagnosed with melanoma in 2011, and within 15 months, that led to stage four and 24 tumors being inside my lungs. I didn't, I didn't grow up in Manhattan. I, I'm a small town girl from about two hours away, started with local doctors, had a conversation, got second opinions, found my way to Memorial Sloan Kettering, and was presented the opportunity to to engage in a, tr- a clinical trial. And that trial was funded by Stand Up to Cancer. Once I started that trial, within 12 months, my tumors were gone. Mm. I'm now cancer-free. Um, it is indeed good news. It is good news. And what's even better news is uh, to see you both come to the forefront and then organize and bring others to the to, to the table to be able to say, wait a minute, we're just not going to go quietly in the night. I don't know where people thought we were going to do that. I just don't know. But don't you think, Rusty, we've had to really step out of the box, really blow up the box and pretty much say, listen, how about let's do some things that maybe haven't been done before? And how are you also now using social media to help with this? Well, social media is everything to everybody right now. Yeah. If you want to get a message out, you need to do it by Twitter. You need to do it by Facebook. You need to do it, you know, obviously the digital world is taking over. But we did think out of the box. I mean, you know, Laura Ziskin used to say to me, Rusty, we, we got a man on the moon. Nobody knew how to get, get to go to the moon, but we said we're going and we did. We can get rid of this disease. It takes money. And it takes teams, and it takes collaborations. We went to the networks, and we said, be our collaborative voice and get the word out. Now what we're finding is on a digital level, that's where everybody's watching everything on their phones. So we have the television networks that came together. The scientists have come together. Our donors, such as CVS, MasterCard, Major League Baseball, CVS coming up with this pin pad promotion, and then we brought in the public. And we bring in you guys, the media, because without you being able to tell everybody what we're doing and where to go, I want 
I, uh, you've got to help me. We've got to get everybody into CVS between now and November 19th. That money is crucial to getting people like Karen uh, healthy and staying alive. And it's just as easy from the radio or whether they want to share it on Instagram or if they want to share it on Facebook. You know, and of course, when they go into CVS, because we are the entertainment industry, we sweetened the pot a little bit, and we came up with a Hollywood, uh, a new Hollywood experience. So when you donate at CVS, take a take take a selfie, and then and then um, uh, post it on Instagram or Twitter with a hashtag, value of a dollar. Hashtag promotion, and you'll automatically be entered into a sweepstakes to win an ultimate Hollywood experience, which means a trip for two for the world premiere of Jumanji and a tour uh, for two at the Sony Studios, because that's who we are. We, we, we have made cancer entertaining because we are Hollywood, but we also want to tell everybody, learn about clinical trials wherever you live. Go to su2c.org slash clinical trial and find a way to get the newest and innovative treatment to save your life. Well, I'm going to talk to you offline about this because you have nailed it. Both of you have, because this is where we have to be innovative with the way we raise awareness because without awareness contribution it has no place to go you know and what you've done is you said wait a minute this is awareness but it's also awareness in action which means it's awareness and action because this is the way that we go out and we create an engagement for people see what i love about what you're talking about is this is memorable and because it's memorable it's equally memorable to the trials and tribulations that 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 people go through and you know i lost two friends in this past year. And uh, Karen, your story and what you're talking about is so powerful in that we can save lives. So isn't this really what we're really here talking about, ladies, right? Yes, it's true. And here's an action. The fact that I am so honored to be a part of Stand Up to Cancer and the phenomenal scientists, literally 5% only, well, actually, it's less than 5% of the adults that are diagnosed in the United States actually participate with a clinical trial. A clinical trial saved Karen's life. So we, we owe it. I love what you just said. Awareness and action. So we, everybody needs to take an action. Everybody's got to get themselves educated. We need to be the vessel to give them the information. And right now, I know that if people will learn about clinical trials, it's our catalyst program for Stand Up to Cancer, you will find an innovative treatment. You'll find out the questions to ask. You'll find out what you need to do. But as long as people can start to own their own cancer, that's the key here. That's the key. It is the key. And one of the things that I love that we're talking about is we're talking about, and especially when we're looking, Karen, at your story and where you were and where you are now, we're also talking about getting people engaged, getting organizations engaged, getting Hollywood engaged. You know, uh, our initiative for Lyme disease is really the same. And right here in our network, we're creating a video game. We're literally creating a video game about with characters and heroes and villains to raise a level of awareness. So we all have to come, uh, uh, come to the table about cancer, which has been here so long, my entire life time we've been talking about it we've got to bring an end to this don't we yeah we do we do and we are and karen is the voice 
Karen is the voice. You know, it's not very often that a person starts an organization like I've been lucky to do with stand-up, and I have Karen actually alive because of something that I did. And I want you know, I want you to know, every single person listening can be a part of that. Really, you. And if you want to know where your dollars go, go to standuptocancer.org because transparency is very, very important to us. Yeah. And, you know, I know we've got a short period of time and I know you're going from interview to interview, conversation to conversation. Um, Karen, I want to ask you this question. What do you think was the greatest aha moment in your journey? Wow, Dr. Pat, um, personally, I'm going to say my greatest aha moment was the day that they told me I had complete response from my CAT scan. But thinking about it now, and 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 now that I can I can look back at it a little bit, they, you need to ask about a trial. If you're given that horrible diagnosis, or your loved one is, just ask. Maybe it's not the right fit for you, but what if it is? Because it was for me, and it saved my life. Yeah, um, Rusty, I want to ask you this question: You're you are in the world. You're in the world of media. You're in the world of marketing. You're in the world of creating powerful voices as we are here at the at Transformation Talk Radio. 14 years ago when I dialed the wrong phone number and I started down this path, you could have never told me that I'd be talking with both of you, reaching millions of people, and maybe, maybe the three of us in this conversation and all the people in the background can save a life. What is it for you, Rusty, that gets you up every day, pushing harder, speaking louder? Well, Kara Taphorn is one of the main reasons today. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, and I'm blessed to have other wonderful people that I see that have that are are alive for years because of the research that 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 we fight for every day. And and the other thing that makes me so happy is these basic scientists have turned into translational scientists. And what does that mean? That means that they are going from the bench of a scientist to the bedside. It's translating faster. And when I meet people that say, well, I'm alive because of you, what you're doing, it is the most awesome feeling in the world. And, and how we now figure out how we can transport that feeling to your listeners, it is true. That I want to, listen, we've all been involved in a lot of philanthropy, and I'm yeah. honored to meet you, too, I want you to know. And you've got to offline tell me your story about making the wrong telephone call, because <laughs> that sounds like a great story. <laughs> but I want you to know that everybody that donates to Stand Up to Cancer needs to know that they're standing right next to us, yeah. the founders. They're standing right next to Karen. Everybody. Yeah. I don't think with all the philanthropy that we've been involved with, anybody really can can wrap their arms around that. But it is true. And then you have CVS Pharmacy. Yeah. How lucky are we that 7,700 stores are giving people the opportunity to donate and save lives? That just doesn't happen. I so know. it's all of these different collaborations and people working together. And if everybody goes there and then come to our site and then follow us, Follow us. Ask us questions. Let us mean more to you than any other organization. We partner with all the many, many organizations. But I, I get up every day because of the Karens of the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, but totally do. First of all, thank you both. And I know you've got to run. I want to ask you one last question. Each of you, please give out the website again. And um, let me just say to you that we will have banners. We will have commercials prepared. We will run them on all 10 of our networks here at the Transformation Network, all of our AM affiliates, our cable affiliates. We will run them. Um, I want to ask you one more time, please give out the website and each of you your personal message. StandUpToCancer.org. Stand Up To Cancer could be with the number two or StandUpToCancer.org. And my message is we can have hope. We can beat this disease, but we can't, can't do it without you. I, I would say as well, it's StandUpToCancer.org slash clinical trials. Find out about the clinical trials. Ask questions. I should not be the exception. I should be the norm. Thank you both for joining me here today. We're going to take a short break, everybody. Please, please move from awareness now to action. Together, together is what this is about. We'll be right back. Listen while you work. Streaming live on any device. Tune in to the Transformation Radio Network. Visit transformationradio.fm. Stay juicy. Tune in to Your Juicy Love with me, Una Drake, co-hosting monthly with Dr. Pat, and every second Monday at 12 p.m. on Transformation Talk Radio. My show, Your Juicy Love, helps you find the dynamic, life-affirming love you've always wanted. Transform your relationships and bring peace, joy, and juicy, juicy love to planet Earth. For more information, visit unadrake.com. Everybody, welcome to our good news segment. I am so thrilled. I was telling you that I was uh, planning to have Dr. William Cephalou on the show today. Uh, and by the way, yeah, he is uh, Chief Scientific Medical and Mission Officer at the American Diabetes Association and the Global Authority on Diabetes. Today, we're going to take a deeper probe into where we are. You know, November is uh, the month that a lot of people are talking about this, but it's up to everyone, you know, to put on their capes and stand up for diabetes. Many of us have learned a lot about this through our family members and our friends. But today we're talking about how to celebrate the millions of heroes managing diabetes every day. Dr. Cephalou, thank you. Welcome for joining us here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's. So what I've learned since starting to do these segments is what I've learned is there's a lot of information people don't know but assume. And I would love for you to give us an update on the state of affairs right now uh, for American adults and diabetes. Well, let's start with the statistics. And the statistics are pretty sobering. Uh, we know that right now in this country about uh, – 50% of uh, Americans may have diabetes or prediabetes. That relates to over 30 million with diabetes in this country. It relates to about 84 million with prediabetes. We know that individual with diabetes, if they're not controlled, will lead to the complications of uh, retinopathy and blindness. 
cardiovascular disease and kidney disease. Fortunately, we know that uh, we have research that suggests with proper treatment of diabetes that we can markedly reduce progression of these complications. We know that for prediabetes, it is associated. It's an asymptomatic process in many cases. People don't know they have symptoms, but yet it can be associated with increased heart disease. We also know with prediabetes that with just a little weight loss and physical activity, you can reduce the progression of prediabetes by over 58%. We're very concerned right now just the increase in diabetes around the world and in this country. Again, in this country, about uh, 11% of the population with, uh, with diabetes. We know in, um, in Washington, you're about national average, about 11.4%. Mm-hmm. You have over 650,000 people in Washington that have diabetes, and you about, have about 173 that have diabetes that don't even know about it. And almost 2 million people, 1.9, have prediabetes in the state of Washington. Mm. You know, I think that um, one of the things that I'm really struck by is how the view of diabetes has changed in the past several decades. And what I mean by that is, first of all, there are more people in my circle of friends that are either have pumps or have been classified in the category of type 1, but mostly type 2 diabetes. Um how do we how do we get the word out that this is a disease it's almost as if there've been so many people diagnosed that we forget that this is a serious matter and there's actually something that you can do at least for type 2 right you can do for both type 1 and okay. type 2. Right. Both these diseases can be managed and managed quite well, and particularly with devices for type 1. So there is a lot of hope for both these diseases. But you're absolutely right. First and foremost, getting the message out, well, I think, I think your show serves as one of the ways we can deliver the message. Secondly, uh, just making sure, and this is what this campaign is all about, mm-hmm. American Diabetes Month, where we can talk about the awareness of diabetes and talk about the problems and talk about that this is not a disease that one person handles alone. There's a tremendous burden and uh, distress with this disease, whether it's a fourth grader who has to take off from the soccer field to take his insulin injection, or for that matter, a 40-year-old man who has to come home early to take care of his mother. Uh, diabetes can cause tremendous disease burden if you have to take injections four or five times a day, if you have to check your blood sugars five and six times a day. Uh, this, this, we're very busy as a population in general. Imagine that someone has to do that on a daily basis. So this campaign is basically stating that we have heroes every day and millions around the country, patients who do this every day, caregivers who do this every day. And what we're trying to do is to engage the population, let them know the seriousness of the disease, let them know about the burden of the disease, become an advocate, share with us their story about diabetes, write a letter to diabetes, and help us in the social media campaign to spread these messages. Mm -hmm. So 
it's about engagement and activation. Yeah, I I think that, you know, the level of awareness is critical. Um, And the reason that I say that is because there are people many people, not like a, not like a handful of people, but like millions of people that don't one recognize that this is so widespread. You know, the disease is so widespread, but I, I think even more importantly than that, the ripple effect from it and, you know, and the fact that, wait a minute, if I change this, this, and this, do you mean maybe I don't have to end up with blindness and heart disease. And and isn't that for me, let me just say it differently, that for me is really the takeaway for this because these are the choices that I don't know that people know they even have. That's why what you're doing is so seriously important. But you've created a campaign and even a website, right? So people people can find out more. Absolutely. So we have the general website, diabetes.org, just to find the information. And regarding the campaign, is diabetes.org slash ADM2017. Uh, I think you, you, you basically stated what a main message is. Number one, uh, that many don't take diabetes or, for that matter, pre-diabetes seriously. Uh, number two, just to heighten the awareness and do simple things like take a risk test, a two-minute risk test, and assess your risk of developing diabetes. And the third thing is just a simple blood test once your risk is high. From that point, you also summarize, it doesn't take a lot to prevent diabetes. In fact, the studies suggest that if you're overweight or obese, a 5 to 7% reduction in body weight uh, and increase in activity four days a week will reduce the progression by 58%. That's an amazing study and an amazing statistic. Uh, one of the things that I would be remiss if we didn't talk about is really one of the uh, uh, end game results that could happen from diabetes. And I want to jump right to it. Um, death. And uh, many people don't realize that, you know, this is something that could cause uh, people to die. I, 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 I can't say that enough about how important it is to emphasize that you, the, your information, the website that we're talking about today can save lives. Because in the end, that's, that's like what we're talking about, right? It is one of the leading causes of mortality in this country. <clears throat> Uh, an individual with diabetes has twice as likely to have a cardiovascular event or heart attack than someone who's not, who does not have diabetes. And this is a concern. The link with cardiovascular disease with diabetes is real. Uh, and this is something that people need to know. And all these risk factors are connected. If you have diabetes, chances are you may have a blood pressure problem or may have a cholesterol problem or have associated obesity. The bottom line is that all these contribute to accelerate your chance of having heart disease. Yeah. I mean, where is the future of this? Meaning, uh, if we could just talk for a second about what what great strides have been made to date and what are you hoping for in the future? I, I really think it's important to talk about that because, you know, there, there of course, are the treatments, right? Every day there's something innovative happening here. Um, but there's also a misconception between type 1, type 2, 
uh, adult diabetes, juvenile diabetes. I mean, we're hearing diabetes a lot, and yet we don't think it's gonna it's gonna be affect us. What are some of the early signs? Okay, so the early signs, if, let's talk about the types of diabetes. And so type 1 diabetes used to be called juvenile onset. Yep. And this is a, a disease because the pancreas is destroyed by the body's own immune system. So these individuals need insulin for life. Uh, they can present rather acutely high blood sugars. They can be in ketoacidosis. They can be nausea. They can have vomiting. And again, these are individuals traditionally have appeared in their younger or teenage years and need insulin for life. Now, there are adults who present with this disorder. So it's not just solely in the younger age group. Type 2 diabetes is a little bit more insidious. Yes, uh, obesity um, contributes, uh, but this where is where they may be asymptomatic. Um, this may go on for many, many years. What separates someone from obese from becoming obese and diabetic is once again the failing pancreas. So this is a disease that initially is treated with a medication like metformin. Uh, nutrition and exercise is the cornerstone of treatment. But this disease can also progress and need combination therapy and eventually may need insulin itself. So the question is um, where are we going for the future? Well, we have incredible drugs. We have so many new drugs over the last decade, and we're to the point now where some of the medications we use not only improve diabetes but reduce cardiovascular disease. One of the issues we're seeing nationwide, no matter how effective a drug is, if the patient doesn't feel the drug, if the patient doesn't take the drug, if the side effects are too real, he doesn't take it, then the drug is not effective. So we need ways to make sure that medications, there is access to medications, that they take the medication, and this is where the real-world medicine and real-world evidence fits in. Uh, we need to, do, to translate the finding from research studies into the public health. For type 1, it's exciting. Uh, we have devices now that can adequately track glucose 24 hours a day. It greatly informs the provider and greatly informs the patient. We have insulin pumps that can administer insulin. And we now have our first closed loop or hybrid pump that can provide basal insulin in response to glucose. And this is moving along the lines of the artificial pancreas. So technology has really, really aided improvement of diabetic control. But I think to really stem the tide, we're going to have to do a better job of identifying those with prediabetes, doing a better job of translating these findings to the community and putting these lifestyle measures in place. Uh, and I think that's going to ultimately uh, help us turn this tide. Wow. You know, thank you so much for today and thank you for all that you do. Please give out the website uh, for folks again. So the general website is diabetes.org, uh, and for our campaign, diabetes.org slash ADM2017. Awesome. Thank you so much for today uh, and all that you do. We're going to take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day.